Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good? Good, good. It's good to see you guys today. We are excited to have you. And man, it was so funny when we were filming that video. First of all, how many guys love our little mascot in the video, right? So, yeah. <laughs> So it was so funny. We were filming all the people, you know, the whole creative team, and, and we're constantly coming up with ideas, you know, and the whole creative team got together, and we were filming, and, um, and she, Baby Z, just like crawled right up on a bar stool and sat down, like while the cameras were running, uh, and she just sat there for like literally like three minutes. She was just sitting there like looking around, and uh, so when we started like editing the video, uh, we highlighted all the videos, and we dropped them all in our editing software, and the first thing that pops up is this girl on the screen this high from the bottom, and I I busted out laughing, like hysterically. Like I was just, I thought it was the cutest thing and I was like, oh, we're keeping that. You know what I mean? Like uh, mainly because she's the cutest thing in the video other than my wife. But anyways, that's totally not the point. Moving on, um, different sermon. So now we're excited to have you guys. We're getting into the Ink series and, and uh, I'm Brad Livingston. I'm the executive pastor here. We're, we're honored that you chose to be with us as Justin said. And, and uh, man, it's just the, that you chose to be here. Uh, we are so excited and, and the chatter has already started. All right, so let me, I just wanna go ahead and get a few things out of the way real quick. First of all, um, we're not saying that Ephesians 1 is telling us that we should all go get tattoos tomorrow. All right, that's, that's not what we're saying. Everyone calm down, okay? Um, you know, uh, Facebook has, we've already gotten like private messages. We're having to delete people's messages off of our Facebook. Facebook thread, like talking about the video, because people are just going nuts, and uh, it's just, it's getting crazy. What, what we're saying is, and we're going to find out here in just a few minutes, really what we're talking about, we're saying that when Jesus gets a hold of your life, there should be something so obviously different in you that it's as noticeable as a tattoo, okay? That's the, that's the entire premise on this series, all right? So people are like, are we all getting tattoos? I don't know if I want to be a part of this church. I'm like, whoa, 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 okay, calm down, so... Um, it's like, you know, so all you religious nuts out there, calm down. Okay, so, sorry, kind of. Anyways, moving on. It was so funny. I mean, one of our brothers came in last week, and uh, it was his first time here. He comes in. Uh, he comes in, and, and, and uh, I can, I'm a, I read people well. I was in retail for a long time. I was in sales, so I know how to read people. And comes in, bigger, bigger guy, you know, six foot whatever, and he, he kind of has this face on him, like, eh, I don't know about all this, you know, and... Um, comes in, and I go up to him and she just says, hey, I'm Brad Livingston, man, it's so great to have you. And he's like, thanks, I'm so-and-so, and I don't really care for churches. <laughs> I was like, all right, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, like, that's so encouraging to hear. <laughs> and uh, he's like, no, nah, just, you know, I have found throughout my life that most of them are filled with hypocrites. And uh, I was like, amen, brother, you know what I'm saying? Like, I found out the same thing. That's why we started our own, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, we could avoid all of that. Anyway, that's not the point. Let's keep going. Uh, no, I, we want you to know you're in a safe place today. So I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't even care right now what you believe. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. We love you. And uh, I don't care if you got tattoos. I don't care what you're living like right now. I want you to know that Jesus, Jesus can radically transform you from who you are to who he wants you to be. Uh, and that is why we are here is to make a statement that God loves you. All right. So let's jump straight into it. The Ink series. Get out your sermon notes. Should have got those on the way in the door. Uh, I mean, we are excited. Pastor is, uh, he's currently out of town right now. He is uh, in Colorado on vacation with his wife. And we, yeah, we honor that. Don't woo too much. That's my parents. Don't get weird with it. So, no. <laughs> He's in Colorado with his wife having a vacation, and uh, man, we honor the man of the house, Pastor Dan. Just put your hands together for our pastor. We love him. And absolutely. So, we honor you, Pastor. I know you're watching right now because he's going to critique all of us and tell us what we did wrong. Anyway, so. Uh, 
Let's get straight into it, right? Ephesians 1.13, this is our theme verse for the month. This is kind of what we're going to be talking about uh, all month. And, and uh, so let's read it together. Uh, uh, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. What is the message of truth? That Jesus saw us in our flaws and died for us. How often do you hear a story about the hero dying for the villain? You know what I'm like? We were the bad ones and Jesus saw us as the hero, laid down his life. The message of truth is that Jesus died for us so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for our own sins. Come on, somebody. Like That is something to celebrate right there. The gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, right? And we're going to explain that in just a few minutes. The seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And so what we want to talk to you about today is it's permanent. The mark that God gives you is permanent. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's permanent. Now turn to the person you just neglected on the other side of you and say, it's permanent, right? <laughs> Somebody got the cold shoulder by two people. You know, they're just like, oh man, like... I get, I get no love here. You know what I mean? Like, no. Hey, listen, uh, we, we want you to understand that God, when God chooses you, it's permanent. When God looks at you and says, I want that person. And we're going to give you an analogy here in a few minutes where we see where God shows us love and mercy and grace in such a powerful way that he goes out of his way to say that person is mine. And so, man, we want to kind of show you that and identify that. So that's Ephesians 1. Let's jump over to Matthew 3. We're going to be spending most of our time in Matthew 3. If you have your Bibles, open that. If you have the Bible app, you can open that. If you don't have any of that, it's on your notes, so you can follow us there. Matthew 3. And so just to kind of catch you up on what's happening here is Jesus comes to John. Jesus comes to John the Baptist and says, hey, man, I need to be baptized by you. Now, let me t listen. If Jesus came to me, it was like, Brad, you need to baptize me. I'd be like, nah, bro, mm -mm, we ain't doing that right now. I'm not going to be the one that messes this up. You know, like, do I dunk? Does he dunk? I don't know. I feel it. Never mind. So. He goes to John. He's like, you need to baptize me. John says, nope, not happening. Like, I, you need to baptize me. Jesus, you need to baptize. And, and Jesus says, no, John, we all have to fulfill our righteousness. Now, that's going to make sense in a few minutes. But for now, what we want you to say, I want to catch you up. So Jesus comes to John. You need to baptize me. And so John says, fine. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son. So here's the first thing that I want you to, uh, to understand as we get into what God is accomplishing in us and through us and in our life. Is the first thing is that God loves you and that God wants to show you that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you put your, your faith in that Jesus died on the cross for you, when you come into that and you step into the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that God has for you, he literally adopts you into sonship or as a daughter of his own. Like he makes you his own. Come on, somebody. Like, did you know this? This is an interesting fact. Did you know that in the state of Florida, if you adopt a child, you cannot have them removed from your will? Now, your regular kids, y'all better act right. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying. <laughs> no, but that you can take them out of your will, but if you adopt a child, you can't remove them from your will. How many, guess what, guys? That when we put our faith in Christ, Jesus, the Bible says that we become adopted. In other words, we can't be removed from this thing. Like, this love is permanent that he has for us. And so we step into sonship. And the first thing that we want to understand in your notes is that when you put your faith in Christ, you are marked with identification. You are marked with identification. Like, you are identified as someone that belongs to God. 
Now, what does that look like, right? Like, I'm a, okay, I'm identified as someone that belongs to God. Well, let, let's talk about Ephesians 1.13 that we just talked about, right? It says that we are marked. Well, how are we marked? We are marked by the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that look like, right? Like some of us, you know, some people are, in our church, we got people that's been saved for 30 minutes. We got people that's been saved for 30 years, right? So for, for some of us, like, what does that look like? What does that look like? if I'm marked by the Holy Spirit. Well, let's go to Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and let's have a look. But the fruit of the Spirit, what does that mean? The evidence of the Spirit, the signs that the Holy Spirit is working in you or in me or in us is love, joy. Now, how many of us could use some work in some of these two? Like already, you know, already, oh man. But when the Holy Spirit takes a hold of our life, our love for people gets broad. Now, I know some of y'all just don't particularly care to be around people at all, right? Like, you know, some of y'all aren't people people, and that's okay. But we still love people, right? So love and joy. How many of us could use some joy in our life? Come on, somebody. Like, man, I know life gets rough, but we could use some joy in our life. Peace, forbearance, kindness. Some of y'all mean as snakes, man. I'm just, I'm just going to call like, like, <laughs> Some of y'all, I see some of y'all nudging you. Hey, he's talking to you right now. It just <laughs> kindness. Man, some of us could be better at, to be kind. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I, I'm just gonna take a moment right now. Husbands, the way I hear some of y'all talk to y'all's wives is out of control. Now you need to be good, like goodness, kindness. Love. Some of, y'all, some of the men are like, you don't know what my wife is like at home. No, I'm just saying, that's not the point. Different sermon, right? So we got a small group for that. Um, so <laughs> faithfulness, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I started the whole thing. That was my bad. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, how many of us, some of us could use some self-control, right? Whether it's addictions, whether it's our anger, whether it's like, man, we need some self. It's, it's so interesting being a pastor of a church, number one, that's um, racially diverse, generationally diverse, culturally diverse, and, and even as far as classes. I mean, we got doctors and lawyers, and we've got some of us that we're still making it every week. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've, we've covered the spectrum, and there's so many times that I'm tempted to say something on, on Facebook or Twitter or even post something on Instagram. And I, I, have, I constantly think to myself, like, how would you know, my brothers and sisters that are in a different class or a different generation or a different race, how would they feel about this? And I, and, and I, even though I may feel very passionately to say something, we got to use some self-control. Come on, somebody, about what we're going to put out there. So um, what does it look like? So if we're marked by Christ, if we're identified as a Christian, if we're identified as belonging to God, that means the Holy Spirit has marked us. What has he marked us with? Well, the evidence shows that we're marked with love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the markings of Christ on our life. So what does that mean? That means that when you're marked by Christ, the next fill in the blank, that you can see it. You can see it. I, when, I, when I wrote that down, I thought about how girls are when they get engaged. Y'all know about, like, everybody can see it. You know, like just, they got wrist problems for six months after they get engaged. Like, hey, look at, taking pictures that don't make sense. You know, like, why is she blocking her face with that hand? Well, you know, she got to show everybody the ring. Like, like, like they do, why? They want everyone to see it. 
Well, can I tell you something? When we put our faith in Christ, like when we, when we become adopted by God, when we step into the love of God and we become adopted, somebody should be able to see it. Like, you, you may not have it all together just yet. Don't, I'm not saying you gotta be perfect, but there should be some things that change in you. You should show up to work and people are like, eh, I ain't figured it out yet, but there's something different about Brad. You know, like, he didn't tell off six people like he does usually when he's been here for five minutes or whatever. You know, like, like man, there's something different changing in that guy and, or, you know, and for whoever you, like, there's something different about you. He's got more patience. Like, he's, he's got, he's kind. Like, he seems to love, he's got some joy in his heart. Why? Because you should be able to see what God is doing in your life. You should be able to identify that, right? The next thing we want you to see in Matthew 3, 16, going back to 16 and 17, right? So again, same text. We're gonna show you three things that happens to Jesus. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, right? We talked about that. And a voice from heaven said to him at the bottom, this is my son, right? So he was identified. So he had identification. The next thing is that God says, whom I love whom I love. When you get put in a position that you put your faith in God, the next thing that happens is you're identified as God, but then the love of God gets poured out on you. And, and the very first way we see that is through grace and through mercy about, how, man, how crazy. You know, when I worship God, I worship with my whole heart because I'm constantly thinking about, man, how amazing is it that a God that created the universe looked down into the world and saw me in my mess and all my mess ups and all the stuff that I was getting into in life. And he said, yeah, that's the one I want. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like God did that and he loves me. And so he does that. And what happens is we become marked with affection. Like God shows his affection to us. Like we, we become marked with affection. And so God does that. The, the problem that many of us have when we're, when we're marked with affection, the, the problem that many of us have when God comes in to show us this love that we're talking about and, and show us this love that he has for us is many of us equate God's love to the love that we receive from someone else. Like, in other words, we, we only understand love based on how other people have given it to us. And if other people haven't given love to us properly, it changes how we view God's love of us. Because we see it through the lens of how other people have loved us. And can I tell you something? God's love for you is so much bigger than and greater than and has higher heights and wider widths and deeper depths than you could possibly imagine. He loves you so much that even John 3.16 said he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but could have eternal life. He loves you that much. And so we're marked with affection by God. I wrote this down, I want you to grab a hold of this because I think for some of us this is huge, that God's perfect love will heal the broken love that many people failed to give us. Like, God's perfect love will heal where broken love failed us. So if you weren't treated right as a child or, or maybe as a spouse and there was some brokenness in a marriage or maybe your father didn't love you properly or, or, or your mother or maybe like you had past relationships and that person beat you down. And, and listen, God's perfect love can heal all of that brokenness that came from other people's failed attempts at love for you. God loves you that much. I'm reminded with that, I'm reminded, you know, me and my wife first got married. I had a few relationships before I married my wife. Many of them were disastrous. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, 
I mean, by the grace of God, that didn't work out. Anyway, so <clears throat> Facebook really helps with that. You know what I mean? Scrolling through Facebook, like, oh, thank God that didn't work out. Anyway, so um, different sermon, right? And I remember when me, uh, my wife and I first got married, I, I love to go play basketball. I, you know, I like to go hang out with the guys and play basketball or spike ball, or football, whatever. I, you know, I just like to do my thing, you know, whatever. And I remember that when me and Ashley first got married, first of all, my wife is amazing and she's beautiful and she's the best person. I mean, I love all y'all, but I love her way more. So I'm just letting y'all know. But anyway, so I remember when we first got married and I would try to like set her up on play dates when I was trying to go play basketball. Like if I'm gonna go play basketball, I'd be like, all right, babe, I'm gonna go play basketball. Um, You want me to call so-and-so and and see if they wanna come over and hang out with you? And she was like, no. But here's the deal. I grew up with two sisters, a brother, my parents. Like, there were six of us in one house. Like, if someone was doing something, it was just a party for no reason. You know, like, they got three people coming over. That's my brother. They got three people coming over. All of a sudden, there's 26 people in the house, and we just, like, cook on the barbecue grill for no reason. Like, it was constant. Every time we were doing something, there was tons of people involved. So naturally, if I was going to leave and go do something, like, I felt obligated to, like, make sure she had something to do because I felt bad right? Now, she's an only child. Like, she's the, she is, she's the epitome of an introvert. Give her a blanket, Netflix, and some tacos, and she's done. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, I know some of y'all are like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Or some cheesy bread or something, you know, just whatever. So, red lobster biscuits, come on, somebody. The Lord is good. I can, I can feel it happening in the house. Talk about that self-control thing. Let me tell you the biggest test of self-control. Y'all ready? Mexican restaurants. Boy, when them chips come out, self-control just keep this salsa on tap. You know? And then they brought in that cheese dip. Change the game. Y'all know. Anyway, that's not the point. Uh, my wife, that's what I'm talking about. So, anyway, she. So she is that way, man. You give her like some tacos, a blanket, Netflix, she's good. But I felt the pressure to try to entertain her, make sure she had something, all right? I'm going somewhere with this, so just stay with me. So I would do that, and uh, finally, she was like, you, you do realize that like, I don't need anyone to come over, right? So, but here, here's what past relationships had taught me. Um, I remember I would talk to some of my, the girls I had dated before, Ashley, and they would, they would say two words that no man ever wants to hear, right? You ready for it? Hey, babe, I want to go play basketball. Is that cool? That's fine. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. Two sisters and a mom, I know what that's fine means, okay? It's fine. All right. So... <laughs> And what that really means is we're already in it now. So we're gonna have the same conversation if I go play basketball or if I don't. Like, we're gonna have this conversation, so I might as well go, right? So with Ashley, she would be like, yeah, that's fine. I was like, nah, mm, I mean, <laughs> it's a trap. No, like, if, you know what I mean? Like, that's how I felt. But I found out, right? I found out that she really was cool with it. Like she was totally fine because she was fine being by herself. She was raised like an only child. So she was okay with that. But past relationships had taught me that that wasn't okay. 
And past relationships were dictating how I saw my wife and how I was trying to love my wife. And it was changing how I saw I needed to treat her. Oftentimes in our relationship with the Lord, how other people have failed at loving us changes how we allow God to love us. And we say, well, that person failed me, God's gonna fail me. Or that person didn't do this for me, God's not gonna come through me. And can I tell you something? God, just like we talked about last time I preached, God will not let you down. Like he loves you so much and he wants to show you that affection so much so that you can't remove it. That's the next fill in the blank that we want you to have is not only does God love you that much, but you can't remove it. You can't take away the love that God has for you. Like once he's chosen you, once he's picked you, once he said you're the one, you are the one, my friend. You know what I'm talking about? That's how my, I, listen, I'm married up, y'all. Like my wife like is in a caliber that doesn't make sense for me. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't think like I look terrible, but my wife is definitely hotter than I am handsome. You know what I'm y'all know what I'm talking about? So, but she can't remove it. Hey, come on, son. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like what? Uh, the love that God has for us, you can't take that away. It's permanent. Turn to your neighbor and say permanent. It's permanent. Talk about permanent. I want to show you a video of one of the ladies in our church uh, who got some work done and uh, her name's Christina. So check it out. Go ahead and roll it guys. I wanted to get a tattoo um, about my grandparents. I didn't want to get just a name or just a date or anything like that. You know, I wanted to get something that symbolized them um, because both of my grandparents, my mom's parents, were really big influences in my life, helped raise me, took care of me a lot when I was younger and have always been there and always been my safe place in life. Uh, I sat down and talked to my grandpa. I asked him, what his like life motto or mantra would be. He told me it just doesn't get any better than this. So I have his mantra at the bottom. The hiking scene is for my grandpa again, just because he's an avid hiker. I wanted the dove to symbolize like the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, because my grandma always took me to church growing up. Uh, we either watched church on TV or she took me to mass or we went to conferences together. No matter what was happening in life, she always had a spiritual take on it. It always went back to God. It always went back to just God's love. She was the person that probably showed me the most throughout my life. Always talked about God as if he was so real to her. I don't know if I've ever met someone like that. She is a quilter, so I asked her what her favorite quilt pattern was, and those are the red and blue stars. So for me, it's just a reminder. It doesn't get any better than this. Whatever we're going through or the people that we have in our lives, this is our life. Back to the dove and my grandmother, it, you know, we always have that connection and openness to him. When people tell me about the, you know, how permanent tattoos are and everything, I'm still gonna look at it and have those same memories when I'm older. Like, I just, and if that's one of my life regrets, it's not a really bad one. Man, so uh, yeah, Christina, talk about permanent, right? And, and she, you know, she looks at it and much like many of us, you know, I mean, I got, I got one too, you know, shh, don't tell anyone. So, uh, but 
you know, much like we, when we look at those, we want those memories, you know? And here's the deal, that when God marks us, man, that is permanent. That is something that he's gonna show his love to us forever. And, that, and going into that, I wanna talk to you just a brief story. Acts 9 tells an interesting story about a guy named Saul. And uh, so Saul comes in, and, and when Saul comes in, he, uh, he's murdering Christians and persecuting Christians for being Christians. I mean, that's what Saul is doing. So he's going around, uh, and this is what happens. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he goes to the high priest, and he says, hey, man, um, you know, I want to go find more Christians in this place. And so... Um, he gets the high priest approval and he goes and, and does the whole nine, right? He goes and he starts trying to find more Christians that he can persecute, more that he can murder, more that he can hurt. And, and as he does that, um, he starts making his way down the road to Damascus. And in that moment, God chooses Saul right then, knocks him off the horse, blinds him for three days. Um, and in that, mo- in that time, Paul says, who is this? Like, what, what's going on? And he says, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who is this? He says, this is Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. And in that moment, Saul realizes how real God is. What does God do? God changes his name to Paul. And later on, this guy writes the better half of the New Testament. And check out Acts 9, 18 through 20, what it says. And this is so powerful. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. This next part is my favorite part. So then he goes on, uh, Acts 9, 18 to 20, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. Like, so Saul is persecuting Christians. He's murdering them. And in one moment, let me say, can I, this is what I want you to explain. I explain to you is that Saul wasn't looking for God when God picked Saul. Some of y'all like, you're going to get it in a second. Some of you didn't come to the church looking for God to do something crazy in your life. You might have showed up, but you might have been showing up for a religious experience. You didn't know what was going to happen. And in that moment, God said, now, I want you right now. And you felt this thing in your heart, like your heart was about to come out of your chest. You, were, Man, I don't know what it is, but there's something that I need. There's something that needs to change. I can't figure it out. I can't even explain it. All I know is in this moment, something has already changed in me. And all we had to do explain to you, put your faith in Jesus. Jesus Christ, and you were radically transformed by God. No one had to do anything. No one had to come to you. In just a moment, even some of you have had a Saul to Paul conversion. Why? Because when God chooses you, it's permanent, and he marks you in the beginning. Like God is choosing you because he wants you. How powerful is that, that God loves you that much? Let's jump back into Matthew 3. Matthew 3, 16 and 17, right? So what happens? God says, this is my son, right? And then he says, whom I love. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open. And then we jumped down and a voice from heaven said, right? This next part. So we saw that he says, this is my son, right? That was first that we're identified. Whom I love, we're shown affection. And then the last part, with him, I am well pleased. With him, I am well pleased. Here's what I want you to grab a hold of with what God is communicating in that moment. Go back to Matthew 3. If you go back and look at it earlier in Matthew 3 than where we were, Jesus goes to John and he says, John, I need you to baptize me. And John says, no, I'm not doing it. I need, you need to baptize me. And Jesus says, John, we need to fulfill our righteousness. 
So my question is, what did Jesus do that God needed to say, with whom I'm well pleased? Jesus fulfilled his righteousness. But how did he do that? And here's what I wanna show you. It's that when he says, with him I am well pleased, in that moment, God marked him with affirmation. He marked him with affirmation. He affirmed him. He said, I am pleased with you. I am proud of you. You're my son. I love you. Right now, I am proud of you. You have fulfilled your righteousness. You have done what I have called you to do. My question is, though, what had Jesus done at that point that Jesus hadn't already done so many other times? He was God and man in the flesh. What he, and the, the answer is, Jesus had done what God had spoken to him to do, and that is that he brought someone else into the process. Jesus went and brought John into the process of righteousness. Because to be declared righteous means you have to have confessed your sins, means you have to have walked through the process of righteousness. What happens? What does that take? Well, the one way that you can step into righteousness and start truly pursuing righteousness, your last fill in the blank, is that you need to be part of a group. You need to be part of a group. What do I mean by that? What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, here's, here's what's happening. We all have stuff in our life. How many will admit, man, I got some things in my life I'm not really proud of. I got some things I'm still trying to. Some of us are still holding the door closed with the skeletons in the closet, you know what I'm saying? Leaning up against that bad boy. We are constantly in a place where we feel like we're trying to prove ourselves. Constantly in a place where we feel like we're going through it. So here's what happens. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. James 5.16 is telling us that we need God for salvation, but we need people to be moved into righteousness. Jesus needed John, we need people. Why? This is my favorite part. Because the prayer of a, say this with me, righteous person is powerful and effective. You wanna know how to move into righteousness? Here's the deal. It's my theory that we all wear a mask. We walk into church, we all wear a mask. Behind that mask is the real us. Behind that mask is what we're dealing with, right? Now we all have the I'm fine mask. You know, how you doing? I'm fine. But behind that mask, we're not fine. We're dealing with some stuff. Some things we're working really hard to get rid of. What we want you to do right outside the door today, we've got a small group rally. And in that small group rally, you have the uh, opportunity to look at some different groups that are available. Here's what we hope will happen in the group. We don't think that you're gonna play basketball and while you're playing basketball, you're gonna pour your heart out to somebody. All right, we, don't think, and we know that's not how it works. We're hoping that you'll join a group. And in that group, you'll meet one or two people and maybe the first week, maybe the 15th week, I don't know, somewhere in the semester, you're gonna look around and go, man, I feel like I have a connection with that guy. Or some of you ladies, I feel like I have a connection with that girl. And you're gonna go down and say, hey, can, I go to, can we go to coffee one day or lunch or something? And as you go to that, as you do that, you're gonna sit down and say, hey, I wanna show you some of the things I'm dealing with. And you take that mask off. And when you take that mask off, you're inviting them into the process. 
And as they step into the process, they can hold you accountable. They can speak life into you. They can help you. They can love you. And you can finally fulfill the freedom that God desires for you as you fulfill your righteousness. The, many, the reason why many of us have never stepped into righteousness the reason why many of us have never fulfilled, we feel like we're constantly battling and we're fighting and we're trying to earn this and we're trying to be good enough and we're trying to do enough good things, but we continually find ourselves in a place where we don't feel like we're doing enough good things and we don't feel like things are going well enough and we're constantly like, I, just like Paul, I mean, I find myself doing the things I hate, but I don't find myself doing the things I know I should be doing and we wrestle with this whole thing. The reason why that happens is because we haven't brought other people into the process. Righteousness is obtained when we invite others in. So I want to encourage you today, at the end of our service, join a group. Find a group that looks interesting to you and join it so that you can start fulfilling the righteousness that God has for you. Because he's chosen you. He's identified you. He loves you. He wants to affirm you. And he wants to bring righteousness to you. Because God is for you. All right. How many of you guys received that today? And we were ready to say, you say, I'm ready to pursue righteousness in my life. Amen. So here's what we want to do. We want to pray for you. But before we do that, I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. We just want to pray for you. And if you're in this place and you feel like, man, I, I, I've, I don't even know what it is yet, but there's definitely something happening in my heart. I need to surrender to God. I need to, I need to give him everything today. I, I can't even tell you necessarily that I know all of what's happening, but I know that there's something changing even on the inside of me right now. And, and I need Jesus to step into my life because here's the beauty, just like we talked about earlier, is that Jesus doesn't just wanna fix you. Jesus wants to save you. There's an eternity after this life. And, and if we have our faith in Jesus, that when he died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins because we can't pay the price for our own sins. We're not good enough, but Jesus was good enough. And when he went to the cross and he died, he died in our place and he died a physical death so that we wouldn't have to die an eternal one. And now all we have to do is repent of our sins, turn away from that stuff and put our faith in Christ that when he died on the cross, he died for me and you can be saved today. And if you're in this place and you say, pastor, I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I wanna be saved. I'm not a bad person, but I know that I want to go to heaven. I know that I need to be saved and I know that Jesus is marking me right now and you say, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to be saved today. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. All I want to do is pray for you. And if you're in this house and you're ready to put your faith in Jesus Christ and you say, that's me. I want to be saved today. Would you just raise your hand? Again, I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are going up. God bless you. God bless you. After you put them up, you can put them down. Again, I'm not going to embarrass you. Are there anyone else? I want to be saved today. I want to know that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. I wanna to surrender to him today. If you raise your hand or you did not, or if you're watching us on the live stream today, we wanna to pray right now. And we want everyone to pray this prayer. So it's not just you. Again, we're not gonna embarrass you. The whole church is gonna pray it with you. And we wanna to declare today, this prayer doesn't make you saved. All this prayer is doing is making a declaration that you are putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And doing that is what makes you saved today. So church, pray it with me, with all of our brothers and sisters as they raise their hands. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. 
I recognize that you died on the cross, that you paid for my sins, and that you resurrected three days later. Through your death, through your resurrection, I can be saved. I believe in you. I receive your love. I wanna follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, push your hands together for all those that pray that all over the house. Man, we celebrate with you.